all those years and years and years of you know adversity you can't suddenly just just change it it, it takes time and it takes work and it takes yeah patience and um i think yeah a lot of self-compassion um but people don't often tell you that Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I know I'm excited at every podcast conversation, but today I'm extremely excited. Uh, We have got Mr. Johnny Benjamin with us today. Uh, He is the author of the book, Stranger on the Bridge, and took part in a, a, a documentary. I say took part. It was a pretty stressful time in his life that he has gone around the world campaigning about mental health and talking about his story. Welcome to the show, Johnny. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking me. Thank you. I've, I've always, because I always see it on Instagram, it pops up and I love the watching the videos, the little snippets that you do. So yeah. it's cool. It's really cool to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. We've also done some work together, haven't we? So Absolutely. I've done some work in schools. Uh, on the Stranger on the Bridge documentary. So I've had the privilege of probably hearing your story almost as many times as you've told it. I don't know. But but the thing is, we always uh, kind of just bump into each other and then it's just a very short... Like last week, we were together for like, what, three minutes? And then I was arriving, you were leaving. That always happens. One of us is arriving, one of us is leaving. It just always... Do you know what I mean? Different parts. We always have a good hug and we go yeah. and we check in. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, we haven't, we don't, our schedules don't allow too much no. time spent together. No. Yeah. Um, and I've almost impersonated you at times. Oh, I'm, no. And then imagine if you were Johnny and I was <laughs> on the bridge and, you know, and then, and then I weave in a bit of my story, which you Amazing. know. Amazing. Yeah. And it just gets this real authentic, open conversation going, which is beautiful. Which is amazing. So, you, you were at school last week, weren't you? Doing it uh, in Cornwall. Yes. Um, which yeah, went so really, which went really well. I mean, I loved. I, I forgot how much I loved the kids. Mm. Um, the amount of sort of input and your seven, eight, nine, ten, putting yeah. their hands up, talk, and some of them super knowledgeable yeah. about mental health, which was which I wouldn't have seen three, four years ago. Amazing. This, this real knowledge and awareness, not only of the illness, but of, of, of how to look after ourselves in general. So mm. I, it was, I, I felt really privileged. Amazing. Amazing. Things, I feel that things are really changing in schools. Obviously, we've still got a long way to go. But what you just said, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's moving forwards. We're moving forwards, I think. I think so, too. So, so give our listeners a little bit of uh, a clue on sure. you know, what it's like at the moment for you. I know you've been campaigning all over the place. What are you, what are you passionate about? What sort of uh, excites you these days? So, yeah, so my big thing is young people. We talked about young people. Um, I love going into schools and colleges and universities and talking to young people. But um, my big thing is, you know, the support is just not good enough. It's not good enough for, well, for all ages in this country, but particularly for young people. Um, I'm so tired of hearing every time I go to another place it's like 
oh, we can't get an appointment with, with CAMS, with the mental health team, but we have to wait and wait and wait. Or uh, there's just cuts. It's all, all I hear is cuts, 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 cuts. And that's so frustrating. So um, we've just set up a new charity, which is called Beyond Shame, Beyond Stigma, which is a grant-giving organization because we want to we wanna give back and we want to put funding in. I mean, it's, it's, I, I know it's not all about funding. I know it's not all about funding, but, you know, funding is... Yeah, and so this is why we set up the new charity because, yeah, we, we, need to, we need to put the funding back into the services and the charities and the organizations that can't do the work that they want to do because they just they don't have the funding. So, yeah, we're fundraising at the moment and then we want to start giving out grants at the end of the year, which is really cool. Um, so fingers crossed it, it kind of all works out. At the moment, it's, it's yeah, it's moving forward. But... Um, obviously want to raise quite a bit of money so we can give quite a bit out. And yeah, I'm not very good at asking people for money. So. Aren't you? <laughs> but oh, it's such a good cause and people really buy into and believe what you're doing, not just because of your story, but because of the decade of campaigning work and, and visibility that you've given to this topic. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And just the, the topic of mental health, you know, whenever I talk to someone about it, it's just, People are very much like, I just want to get involved. I don't care what, you know, what, 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 if it's fundraising, if it's, you know, giving actual kind of time, I just want to get involved in mental health. Mental health now seems to be something that people are really aware of and so passionate about. Um, it's quite, and again, like you said, four years ago, five years ago, it wouldn't have been the case. No. You know, mental health is, you know, um, but now, yeah, it seems to be really changing, really changing, which is great. Obviously, yeah, still a long way to go, but. At least it's changing. In workplaces as well, because I know you, like me, do lots of panel events and speak at um, sort of conferences and, and workplaces about employee mental health. And I know yeah. you're telling your story, but it's that different. Like the interest is there as well, mm. isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. As long as, you know, as you know, as long as it's not just a tick box, which sometimes happens, you know, you go somewhere and it's just, you, you just, you know, it's just a t- kind of tick box. But, but more and more I'm seeing that it's not a tick box, actually, that this is something they're really committed to. And it's not just a one-off talk where you just go in and that's it, actually. And it's, you know, it's, it's the staff that are driving it, you know, different levels, all different levels. It's, it's them that are really driving it, which is great. Um, so, yeah, no, things are, you must see it. I mean, things are... Well, you still see there's there's inconsistency. So people want to be seen to be doing something. Some people mm-hmm. know how to do that. Some people are ready to invest. Some people want to go full haul, and it's amazing to see the innovation that's taking place. Yeah. And there's the old school ones that are like, ooh, somebody's mm-hmm. talking about this, or they can see on their their absence po- uh, sort of uh, statistics that more and more people are are off work because of mental health. We've got the reports, driving at work, all of that that are kind of backing up those statements. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, let me just remind people of the highlights or the lowlights of your story, uh, just <laughs> yeah. so that people get a little bit of, of, of context. So, so how, how long ago was it that you were um, sort of at your rock bottom point? Mm, so, so I'm 32 now. So when I was 20, that was when I was, yeah, rock bottom. So yeah, 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, a diagnosis and, and it sort of pushed you over the edge, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I got my diagnosis, diagnosis of um, schizoaffective disorder when I was 20. And yeah, I mean, I was in hospital at the time and um, yeah, just given up, really given up. Um, 
I was struggling as well with my sexuality and looking at I was a, I come from a Jewish Jewish background and you know that was a massive part of um, why essentially I ended up running away from the hospital and going to a bridge. Um, yeah, I just yeah, given up, given up. There, there was just there was no hope. I did. I really didn't see things getting better. Um, yeah, and that that's what took me to to, to yeah. the bridge really. Um, yeah. And of course, it. you're with us. And yeah. uh, you, you didn't jump. And of course, the story connected to the documentary is around the Fine Mike campaign, which mm. ended up being uh, Neil, who yep. talked you down. Um, and, and I guess I was always interested. We, we've got this striking rock bottom moment. And then the stories that you I've heard in your subsequent talks or in, in conversations personally about the recovery journey afterwards. Mm. So it wasn't just the rock bottom, then you got the right treatment and you were chilled. It was like, I have to learn to manage this, accept, mm. get the right medication, the right support. Like, give, give the listeners just a little bit mm. of insight into that recovery mm. journey, bearing in mind that you still have a diagnosis. Yeah. Goes on now, but what was that like? Uh, I mean, it was hard. <laughs> Not going to lie. It was, it, was, it was hard. People, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, people often don't want to, when I, when I speak to maybe like the media, it's very much like, uh, you know, you had that rock bottom and now you're yes. okay. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's such an, it's an ongoing journey of, of, of wellness. Um, but yeah, for me, I mean, it was very, you, you mentioned acceptance. In acceptance is, was a massive part of my journey. Um, and it took years to, to accept and begin talking, really begin talking, really, really talk. Um, and a lot of, yeah, therapy, finding the right medication, uh, mindfulness has been a massive help to me. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it took, it took, I'd say about five, five or so years to really, um, accept what was going on and finally start talking. Um, and for me, talking actually is, is the best medicine. Um, right. I mean, you started blogging. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I take, yeah, when I, when I was, when I was in my mid twenties, as a way to communicate what was going on, um, I started making yeah video blogs uh, and putting them on YouTube. Um, I wanted to connect to people. I wanted to, I wanted to talk. I wanted to talk. Um, so yeah, so I started making my video blogs, and that kind of led me on to when I was talking to other people online um, after making the video blogs and realizing how many other people out there struggle and, and have been through things, but also don't get the help and support they need. Uh, that's when I said, you know, I want to get involved in the world of mental health in some way. And I started working for different mental health organizations um, and just kind of snowballed, really. Uh, and then obviously the, the Find Mike campaign, which kind of just took off and then the documentary. Um, so it's been a, a real interesting journey. Um, but yeah, still, still ongoing. Every day is a learning day, really. Um, and I'm always trying to, yeah, always trying to learn, always trying to get more information of how I can help myself better. Always, always. Yeah. Yeah. Good growth mindset for sure. Um, mm. So I'm curious in about lots of different avenues, right? Mm. And one is we were talking about the workplace and, and telling our story. And I, as you know, a little bit about my story mm. when I was suicidal and depressed mm. and, you know, had a cult past and just couldn't yeah. accept my past and it was affecting who I was. I isolated. So I, I pushed people away. I sat in the shame of it didn't talk, mm. which of course made things uh, so much worse. Mm. Uh, 
So there's something so powerful that I, I just, radical honesty, I, I'm, I just live that way because I know it keeps me on a path of growth and um, good mental health and all those things. Um, how has that evolved for you that just putting yourself, so you've done the online blogging, you, you've done therapy, like how has just learning to accept and be yourself kind of uh, changed maybe the way you are in the world? Mm, oh, massively. I mean, I think again, for me, it was not just about my mental health, but it was about my sexuality. My sexuality for me, and actually for the people around me, was harder to deal with. As I don't know why. Maybe. Yeah, tell us about that. So, so what, how old were you when you were like, I, I think I might be gay, or obviously this, we're in this Jewish structure that doesn't um, sort yeah. of believe in it or think about it. Like, what, what, how did you come to terms? Yeah, so I mean, I was 10. I think I was about 10 when I, okay. the thoughts, you know, started. I was like, um, uh, there's, a, there's, there's an attraction there towards these, these guys and what, the, what is going on. Um, and then years and years of suppression because of my faith. And, you know, um, I used to go to a Jewish school and, you know, we were told that being gay was a sin. And, wow, I mean, what that did to me. Um, so years and years and years and years of suppression. Um, and then, yeah, I, I came out about my mental health first. Um, I don't know why. It was, yeah, it was easier. I think, you know, the whole, again, the sort of connection to religion, um, mental health is more accepted now within the sort of Jewish community, mental health issues, but sexuality still is a big taboo. Um, and so for me, yeah, coming out about my sexuality, it was harder because of the community I lived in. Um, and it's still tricky. I mean, it's more accepting some parts of the Jewish community, but then some parts are still very much like, um, you know, it's, this is, this is a sin, absolute sin. Um, so it was tough. Come out to first. My mum. Well, no, actually, my, my psychiatrist, my psychiatrist um, was trying to... And again, that was another reason I ran away to the bridge because um, my psychiatrist in, in the hospital knew, obviously, I wasn't being honest about my sexuality. He was trying to pull it out of me and I just couldn't deal with it. But eventually he did pull it out of me um, and he said, you know, you have to tell your parents. And um, I said, no, no way am I telling my parents, no way. But he, he, he pushed me to tell my parents and I told my mum first. And yeah, it was difficult. Um, it was difficult. Uh, again, like I said, my family were more accepting about my mental health struggles than my sexuality. Um, and so was I. Shock to them? Yeah, it was, it was a big shock. I mean, you know, the thing with me is I'd had uh, girlfriends growing up, uh, lots of different girlfriends, actually. Um, so... Yeah, I, it, was, it was a big shock. It was a big shock. Um, and I think now uh, people are still more accepting. The people around me are still more accepting of my mental health struggles than my sexuality. It's such a... Uh, I mean, not just for the Jewish faith, obviously for lots of... Oh, yeah, faith. I like that. Right, yeah. exactly. It's such a... I mean, look, I mean, look at, you know, if you look at what's been happening in the news with... Um, you know, the protests outside schools around, you know, LGBT plus education in, in primary schools. Look at the, the, the uh, anger and the kind of, uh, you know, the rage that that sparked. You know, there is still, I mean, we just had gay pride, you know, this weekend in, in London and the big celebration, but there's still a lot of uh, homophobia out there. There is, there really is. And um, yeah, I mean... I don't know if we'll ever get rid of it, really, because of religion. 
Um, not trying to criticize. Well, yeah, criticize that side of religion. Okay. Yeah, no, you, yeah, it's important to be honest. Because um, I do worry about, you know, when I go to faith schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually was talking to a friend the other day, and he'd given a talk at a faith school, um, and it was it was a Catholic school in in North London, and he started talking about his sexuality. And he was interrupted in the middle of his talk. And the teacher came in and said, you know, you, please don't talk about this. This is, um, you know, we don't want the pupils to, to hear this. Please do not talk about this. And my friend uh, walked out. He said, no, if I'm not allowed to say who I express myself, say who I am, you know, I'm here to talk about my mental health and my sexuality. Is And the teacher was like, no. And so he walked out. I mean, that was well, last year, I think it was, in, in, in the school in North London. So we, it, it's still, uh, yeah. It's it's, uh, it's 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 still going on. Um, so, so, but you've got this parallel story. Obviously, it's the whole story because it's the whole you. But you've got accepting of your sexuality, communicating that. There's shame. There's stigma. There's taboos. Like all this stuff about trying to accept who you are, and that affects our self worth, right? Like if if the people closest yeah. to me can't accept me, then do I accept myself? So you've got that, and then you've got the mental health thing that ends up getting traction just because of the documentary and all, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And uh, you start, of, start moving up in the world, shall we say, mm-hmm. um, meeting, you know, kind of rubbing shoulders with big important people, uh, all as part of your story, right? <laughs> how, have the, how have you integrated those? Or like, what's, what's dating been like? Or just putting yourself out there in that way? <laughs> well, don't talk to me about dating. It's been... Um, uh, see, it's interesting because... Um, there was a, for, as an example, a guy, a guy I met um, a couple of years ago. Um, he, I met him actually in a, in a club, in a nightclub, and we, we started talking. And then um, he decided to Google me. <laughs> and uh, he, when, you, when you Google my name, obviously my story's yeah. there for everyone to see. And um, it was interesting because that, that changed things when he found out my story. Um, we didn't last very long because he, hmm, I just don't think he was, he could accept. Um, Which part? Or, oh, uh, kind of my mental health struggles. Um, he, he couldn't accept, yeah. Um, the, I, I guess for him, he couldn't accept maybe if I was to have a relapse and become unwell. I mean, when I go on, when I go on these dating sites, um, I don't know what it's like it, being in the gay community when I go on these sites. So many people say in their profiles they're looking for someone that's sane and sorted. That's the term, sane and sorted. Really? Do, you, do, you, do you see that ever? No. People, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not. The guys don't want high maintenance women. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, but I mean. I uh, with all, swipe left. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I see it all the time though. I mean, and I'm not sane and I'm, I'm not. Sane and sorted, that's such a. Um, I just hate the term, sane and sorted. So do I, because, you know, that whole mental health continuum, you can be well and sane and have, sane sort of, you know, and have a mental health diagnosis, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can move up and down it depending on different things. Exactly. So you, can, you know, I've seen you when you've been really well and mm. sane and sorted for one <laughs> yeah. And I know that sometimes you've had to back out of, of speaking gigs yeah. or arrangements because your mental health has, has been impacted or you've said yes Ooh. to things and you've had to to kind of balance things out do you feel because i i'm starting to get that as well like i've got a video stuff out there i've got mm. my cult story mm. you know, 
my website and all that sort of stuff. And I date and I'm like, they're like, can I follow you on Instagram? What's your this? What's your that? And I'm like, yeah, can we, can I not tell you my surname for a little while? <laughs> just, <laughs> just get to know me. It's a, it's a lot. I don't but, know. But what, what stage do you then say, you know, well, this is me? Well, I've learned, I've learned that I deserve someone who wants, isn't intimidated by a, a woman who stands on stage and, and is open and, and, you know, and I need somebody who is going to appreciate that about me. Absolutely. I mean, I, I am, the, I do have the ability to go deep really quickly because I'm curious about people and, and yeah, you know, and kind of intoxicated by that because they're not, they don't have experience of people not talking about Love Island or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, what are you deeply passionate about? <laughs> I go quite, quite deep. Uh-huh. Um, I think I've tested it because, as you know, I've been divorced for just over mm. two years, so it's been new the whole kind of dating scene, and I've, I've definitely tested full, blatant honesty and mm. being a little bit more reserved. But mm. ultimately, I've realized I have to be my full self. I can't play mm. on masks. Like I've done that for too long. And either you're drawn to that and you, we have chemistry or you don't. But it can still feel disappointing when, when they just do that. Like it sounds like you're saying sort of guy just backed off a bit and you know that that's why and you just want to shake them because you're a good person, right? No, I know. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, but, you know, I say to myself, it's not meant to be. It's not right. It's not right. It's just not right. It's not meant to be. I need someone that, yeah, like you say, it's just fully accepting um, uh, and embracing, do you know what I mean? I, I, if I'm with someone that is, I've been with, I was with a, a guy a few years ago and um, everything was going so well. And then I had a panic attack. Um, I had a panic attack on the street one day. I was talking to a group of people and I just had this panic attack. And then afterwards he, he laughed about it. He said, you're, you're so stupid. You know, why do you have a panic attack? Like, and I was like, wow, we're, we're, not, we're not meant to be together. Like we are not, I just knew straight away when he said that, um, it was all going so well. And, you know, I told him my story, but when he said that, and he was a nurse as well. So, um, when he said that, I just, I knew, I just knew, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to be with someone that is, is, is not accepting and, and compassionate and, um, um, uh, empathetic. I'm, I mean, it just, it just wouldn't work with it. It wouldn't work. Um, I'd rather be alone for, <laughs> the rest of my life than with someone that, you know. In moments like that, do you resent your mental illness, your diagnosis? Mm, um, that's a good question. Uh, initially, probably. Initially, because I feel angry and, and hurt. But then afterwards, I'm like, no, actually, no. Because at least I have, you know, the sensitivity that maybe, for example, the guy that said about the panic attack, he obviously doesn't have that sensitivity. So at least, no, I've got that sensitivity and that empathy that you don't have because of my experience. Um, I always think like that, you know, that, that sensitivity um, and that ability to tune into, you know, other people. I mean, that's what my, you know, um, mental health diagnosis has, has given me, you know, and uh, I'd really miss that if I didn't have my, my diagnosis. I mean, uh, especially in the world that we live in today, I mean, that, that empathy... Is, is so important and that ability. Well, you know, I mean, you know, particularly when you go into schools and talk to young people and, you know, young people might come up to you, might come up, up, up to you afterwards. And, you know, you need that, 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 that empathy, that sensitivity, that, that patience, that kindness. Um, 
So it's, it's a kind of gift. It's a gift. What do you see any other gifts just from your your diagnosis and your quite traumatic story in different in different parts? Mm. Um, mm. Along, along that journey of you know, I, I know the journey. It's like anger, resentment. You know, all these mm. sort of stages of grief when you realize, well, how's this yeah. going to affect me? You got to challenge your own stigma. You got to understand how to manage things, right? Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think creativity actually. There's a definitely the gift of creativity. Um, I mean, you know, like uh, I, write, I write poetry, and um, I, start, I only started writing poetry when I was in hospital. Um, you know, the first time because I just I couldn't communicate what was going on any other way, but I, other than poetry. So, kind of the gift of creativity is a big one for me. Um, again, if, if I hadn't have gone through that experience, I wouldn't have the creativity that I have today. And creativity is really, really, really important for me. Um, and I just, I guess, I, you know, learning what I've learned about, you know, things like, um, you know, mindfulness, meditation, um, self-compassion, I wouldn't, self-acceptance, I wouldn't have learned that if I hadn't been through this, this, this journey. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously there's, there's a trauma, but you got to think of, yeah, the gifts that it's kind of given you. I mean, is that, is that how you feel? A hundred percent, but my God, it was a hard road getting there. Um, mm. uh, a couple weeks ago, I, not, not for this, but I um, interviewed my mother uh, about her mm, perspective wow. on our childhood and, and wow. her experience of it, which is huge. Like I felt like I'd accepted myself and I'd done loads of things, but I still held the sliver of resentment towards putting five children into a situation where they didn't have education mm. and like 10 steps ahead. And just all this stuff that I held on. And as a mother myself, I was just, it, it, it was just the last part in my heart that was just, you know, cold and, and just angry. Um, and through alternative healing stuff, like I've been seeing, um, just to go rogue for a little minute. I've done a Reiki session. I've seen, I've done some shamanic journeying alongside meditation and, uh, you know, uh, chanting and all these sorts of things, just as an exploratory thing around the science behind energy and how that can affect us. And I really think it's that, you know, how the body not, never forgets. It, more than psychotherapy, mm. we've done lots of, and you're talking about creativity as well. It's allowed me to release this, the remnants in my body and it allowed me to sit with her in full empathy for two hours and, and inquire about her perspective. I mean, it was a big deal for me. <laughs> oh, that's, that's huge. I mean, that's huge. I mean, I, I can't imagine doing that myself, to be honest. I just can't. Wow, it must bring up so much. I can't imagine, I can't imagine what I was like. And, and I think for three days afterwards, I felt, I felt sensitive. I felt tearful. I felt naked. I felt like I was releasing just these different things because I finally saw for the first time that she's a victim. She was a victim too. Sure. And, and wasn't a perpetrator by any stretch of the imagination, was just a bit naive and, and, and was tearful. She was weeping as she realized what she deprived us wow. of. Yeah, it was deep. That's and I, don't, I, I know <laughs> it was a really big learning yeah. uh, uh, thing, thing for me. Um, so through the podcast, actually, and as well as my work and understanding how other people deal with their adversities, I've just gone, what's the gift? It's mm. allowed me this empathy. It's allowed me this authenticity. When I'm open about my story, it gives other people permission to be open about theirs. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, but that, I have to say that is, that takes a lot of courage. <laughs> that takes a lot of courage. I think a lot of courage. 
it felt like yeah. it. <laughs> um, but I also, wow. the main things that I talk about is that courage is a muscle that can be developed. And every day mm. we do something courageous. Think of the stages we've spoken on or, or that you've done loads of media stuff or, you know, every time it takes a bit of courage to put ourselves out there. And I also think it takes mm. courage to veer away from the sensationalist story that people mm. buy you in for. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm, and, mm, mm. and currently, I've felt lonely on my entrepreneurial journey, or I feel challenges in this area. Like, that's what I try and keep connected to it so it doesn't become this like little part of me over here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Me anymore. I mean, do you ever feel when you do talks that you're, they, they just want the sensationalist version of it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I mean, you know, when I look at, uh, so, you know, I do talks a lot with, with, with Neil, the stranger on the bridge yeah. and um, everyone wants this fairy tale to hear this fairy tale. And I get it. I get it because, you know, life's tough and, you know, people want to hear um, positive hopeful, inspiring stories. I, I get it. But um, for both of us, you know, it's been, um, yeah, there's been highs, but there's been lows in our journey together. Um, and we've had, you know, difficulties in our relationship, but people don't want to hear that. People will just, well, just tell me the good stuff. Tell me the good stuff. Um, but no, it's, I, I, I feel it's really important to be honest, really important to be honest about. Um, and and same, same with my kind of, relapses you know um yeah people often say to me you know oh my god it's so brave to talk about the the relapses um but i just it would be so strange to kind of say everything is now great and i, I don't have those re- it just would just i just couldn't do it it just wouldn't it just wouldn't feel right I have to be honest I have to be honest but it's the same with the media you know when i talk to the media um yeah they kind of want that four minute perfect story um you know all wrapped up in a nice nice little bow um but that's not the way life is um have to have to be honest and, and real and, and vulnerable um i just i mean i've some i've seen some and this is going to sound really well but i've seen some people give talks um about their mental health journeys which are um I, I, you know, I, I, I went through this adversity, but now it's all perfect. It's all perfect. And you can be, you can have this perfect kind of yes. life too. And I just, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, that's fine. But I think it's so important to be honest about um, that it's not just a smooth road. It's not just a smooth, I don't, I don't believe that anyone has a smooth no. road. And um, yeah, we, we need to be, uh, well, I feel I need to be honest about, about the, Hardships as well. Yeah, that's what I, one of the things that I appreciate about you is like, let's be real about what's going on. And of course, you guys, more than other people, are almost trapped in this, like the movie mm. ending, and they lived happily yeah. ever after, and they campaigned yeah. forevermore, and they changed the world like this <laughs> background music, and they go into the sunset, you know. <laughs> um, and, and it's so true. It's like marriage, though. It's like actually the reality after the end of the movie is the reality. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And, you know, um, we say that we had our honeymoon periods, um, <laughs> but then we got on with real life. And, you know, again, it's about being honest about that. Um, I've, I've, do you know what? I've watched a few movies. I saw a movie last night, actually. Um, there's a movie out at the moment called, called Yesterday. 
I don't know if you've seen it advertised. It's um, it's a film by Danny Boyle, um, based on the songs of the Beatles. And uh, I watched it yesterday. It's it's a really good film, but the the ending it's such a, such a happy ending. It made me feel a bit sick. No, I mean just in the sense that it was it was just yeah, it was it was just such a cheesy beautiful cheesy 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 happy ending and that's that's fine but you know I, I, I don't know why I've recently I've just seen films that I've just like yeah everything in the end is sorted and it's just happy 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 you, you follow there in the film yesterday uh, the very end there's like a montage of their life and um, it's all happy all happy and I'm just like that's not real life though is it you know not to be a downer but um, no, but I think once we reframe that and, and manage our expectations about like growth and opportunity and that everything is here to develop us and allow us to be empathetic and connect, like I find that exciting, but it, mm. you just don't sustain this one emotion of happiness mm. because that's all it is, is an emotion. And Absolutely. it's not like I, I try and chase fulfillment more than happiness. Mm. Mm. I feel like that creates the conditions where I'm more likely to feel happy more often. Absolutely. Um, but it's a different way of going about it yeah absolutely i like that i like that fulfillment rather than happiness yeah i think so I so like given that. that that life isn't peachy and perfect <laughs> no. what are your what are your biggest challenges at the moment do you think that's a good one i think biggest biggest challenge is probably the work-life balance to be honest um you know there's there's so much work to do um in this space there's so much work to do and you know if if i if i could i would probably spend 24 7 you know, working, 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 because I'm just so passionate. But um, I realise I need to take breaks. I have to take time off. I have to take breaks because, you know, I've learned the hard way. If I just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, just on a sort of hamster wheel and I don't step off, ultimately I'm going to I'm going to break. Um, and so, yeah, now I'm trying to really rebalance things in my life. Um, so it's not all, you know, I, I, I go in, sometimes I... I and I don't realise I'm doing it. Well, you know, I'm doing, last thing at night is an email in bed on my phone. And first thing in the morning is phone, check my phone. Have I got a reply? And, and I don't know, I need to, yeah, readdress that, that work-life balance. Um, because, you know, when I, so, so Neil, for example, um, he, he says to me, he loves stress. <laughs> he loves stress. He kind of thrives on stress and things like um yeah, that, that, that kind of um, work, 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 like non, non-stop. And whereas I'm like, no, I, I'm, I'm, I don't thrive on stress. And, and actually stress does me more... What's that? It's bad for you. Or yeah, it, it does, it does, it does more, more damage than, than... So for me. Um, and so, yeah, now I'm very much trying to, you know, I say no to things, um, which I never used to do because... It's hard because especially when, yeah, you're so passionate about something and you want to help so many people. Um, every request that I was getting in, um, I was like, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. Even, yeah, but even if it was at the detriment of my mental health, you know, it's like, you need to put other people first, need to put other people first. And um, now I'm finally saying to myself, no, need to put myself first. Um, do you think any of that came from your religious upbringing? Because I certainly recognize myself the other people before you as a, mm. which is a beautiful so value, but, but like from a real, like, that's how we live our lives. Otherwise it's selfish or the what, I don't yes. know. No, you're absolutely, absolutely a hundred percent. Again, you know, going to a Jewish school, it was always very much like um, everyone else before yourself. And, and that was, yeah, just to kind of 
value of, of, of the faith school that I was in, every, everyone else before you. Um, and yeah, it doesn't, well, for me, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, most people. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Not forever anyway. Yeah. I, I like, I like the, um, you know, the oxygen mask analogy of when you're on the plane and um, they say, you know, if the oxygen masks come down, fit yours before you fit anyone else, even ch- children, you have to fit yours first. And it makes sense because, and it's the same with, with yeah, um, just day-to-day life, you know, about putting yourself first before putting any, and it does feel selfish at first. Well, for me it does. Um, but I know it's the right thing to do. Um, but it's taken me a while to get there. That's for sure. What do you? What have you needed to put in place? Is it like blocking time out in your calendar? Is it changing your relationship to your phone? Like, what are the small things that you try and do to to do that? Yeah. So, changing my relationship with my phone. Um, for example, for me, I I did something quite radical for me, which was uh, turning off all my notifications on my phone. So, you know, I used to every time I check, I looked at my phone, I'd, I'd be at a meeting or be at a talk, and then I turn my phone on. And all the notifications flashed up, you know, 390 emails and you just, oh, panic, panic sets in. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to turn off all the notifications. And that's really kind of changed things. It's just a small thing, but I don't have the red, you know, little little, um, dot saying you've got all these messages, WhatsApp, emails, Facebook. Do you know what I mean? I've just, and it's, it has, it's made me feel stressed every time I look at my phone because I don't have that red dot there saying, um, things like that. Things like um, getting out of, so I'm, I'm in London, I'm, I'm in central London and getting out of the city. I mean, yeah, I, um, I'm realizing more and more that I'm, I'm actually not a city person. I'm actually more of a kind of um, country, coast. I love the coast. I love, I was saying to you before we started talking, you know, I, I love, I love the beach. I love the sea. So, um, yeah, getting out of, of the city more and actually, you know, putting aside time weekends to say, right, I'm going to leave the city. I'm going to go out to the coast. I'm going to go into the countryside. Nature for me is, is well, for most people, I mean, it's uh, kind of it's got, it's got natural healing without it. Um, so, yeah, but putting those sorts of boundaries in place. Um, I know I could, this, I could do a lot more. And, I, I, yeah, I, I need to put a lot more boundaries in place. Um, but it's a start. It's a start for sure. Um, and you've got to start somewhere. So. And it's hard. It's hard when we're so conditioned to give out, but also when we see the impact that being authentic and real can have on people. So you mm. people probably messaging you all over social media, as well as after your talks coming up to you, as well as email, mm. you know, parents of kids, kid, you know, and your heart like goes out to people because you think when I show up this, and it takes a lot to almost trust that if you're not there, the universe might put something else in their place them. or somebody, there's so many mental health speakers. Um, our story doesn't have to be the only one that changes people's lives, right? Exactly. No, this is it. This is it. And, and now I'm very much kind of, um, I, I'm, uh, which is great because now we have this community and I'm able to say, well, I can't be there, but Petra can be there or, you know, someone else can be there. Um, which is what I love about the, the community that we have, you know, the mental health sort of, um, circle that we have um yeah i'm able to say that now because at the very beginning i think i was like and actually to be honest um i did that recently and i got a message back from i won't say who they are but um they were like no we really want me um to tell my story 
Um, that hit an ego thing. Mm. Like I sometimes if somebody goes, you were recommended to us by this person, and so I know the person <sighs> personally, and they're like, we really want you. Can you just? And I go, and I kind of have that, oh, they want me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, what, so do you say yes then? That I'm, I'm probably similar to you because I've got these 13 kind of facilitators and speakers that are working alongside me. And I'm really trying. I'm really trying. I don't always get it right. Because yeah. I like doing, I don't, it's a trust letting go thing. Right. I know that if I do the, the first session, I know that people then want subsequent ones. Can I mm. trust my guys to do that? Well, people want to have, but, but when I've let my guys do it and just given them free reign, they've been amazing and the feedback's been amazing and all of that. It's like so that a, must help you then to kind of be able to do that more in the future. Just pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. That's what I'm working towards. Absolutely. It. Uh, it's, 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 not pro- it's a work in progress like you. I know. I, yeah, it's hard, it's hard. It's hard when people are so... This email that I got back a few weeks ago is very much like, no, it's you, it's your story. You're from the area, so you, you grew up in that area. So, you know, even more reason to kind of have you in. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. The thing that helps me, though, is visualizing where I want to be in the next year or three years. Like, yeah. who, who do I want to be speaking to? What's the impact I want to be having? And what time do I want to have for other things, such mm. as writing a book and... and mm. uh, uh, exploring the world and dating and kids like how do I map out the future and, and how I want to feel about doing things so mm. you know, I've been doing some more kind of thought leader stuff and bigger and bigger stages and I'm like all right in order to do that and have time to write the book I have to say no to the free mm. thing that my friend wants me to do because I and I want to do it as a favor but it's going to take two hours travel time and it's get, do you know what I mean and I can communicate that with kindness, with integrity, and possibly pass them on to someone else. Mm, mm, mm. So let's put some structures in place, like having a virtual assistant and an editor for the podcast. And mm. like, what are the structures I need to put in place? Because it's also investing sometimes financially in getting support when you're mm. at, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. The very beginning, you know, again, it's, 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 it's the trust. So the very beginning, you know, um, it, Neil was saying to me, you know, we need someone in place. And I was very resistant because I was like, I want to manage everything myself. Can't let go of, you know, I just want, I don't want to let go of things. What's why? that? Why do you think that was? You don't want to let go of things? Or you didn't? Um, I was worried about maybe missing something. That's the thing, missing something, missing an opportunity. Um, what, what if that person that's there, again, missed, missed an opportunity or um, kind of let someone down or um, maybe mis- miscommunicated something and, um, yeah, all these kind of worries, fears, you know. But, you know, putting someone in place to, you know, manage the diary was the best thing that kind of ever did because um, it's just massive weight off, massive weight off my shoulders, you know, that someone else can look after the diary and, and I don't have to worry about that. And, um, yeah, definitely a, a trust thing that um, took a while, I think, to, to really let go of. Um, but yeah, having that person to, 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 to manage my diary, I, w- I just wouldn't be able to cope without it now. I really wouldn't be able to cope. Um, but yeah, it took, took, took a while, that's for sure. But now I'm so happy and confident that, you know, the person that we have is, is, is so capable of dealing with. Because, you know, again, mental health, you know, I, yeah, again, it's, you know, you've got to be sometimes, well, sensitive, sensitive when you're communicating with people. And so it had to be the right person. Um, you know, that had that sensitivity. Um, 
But again, yeah, it's kind of that letting go was hard. But, but yeah, best thing, best thing I've, I've done. I think it's every yeah. phase that you get to, you know, you've, you've got to do a new learning process. You've, you've had the skills to, to deal with the first bit and then you, you know, mm. you do some more work and it's recognizing when you come to that point where you then have to ask yourself different questions and let go and trust people. And it enables you to get to the next level. Which so you, do you see what I mean? Yeah, so true. It's so true. I've had to do, actually looking at reflecting on it, I've had to do quite a lot of, um, Sure you have. <laughs> yeah, no, like, look, I mean, just thinking about the documentary, I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of my, my story, my, that, that, the most traumatic experience of my life and put it into the hands of, you know, the filmmakers um, and, you know, either, or, or letting it out there into the world. So I remember when, when I, you know, I had to go on breakfast TV and, you know, do loads of media. Yeah. And I remember... I remember thinking, you know, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Because I'm just letting, putting this out there into the world. And what is, you know, anyone could, especially again, in the, in the world that we live in with social media, anyone can comment or what people are going to say, what people are going to think. I, I felt really exposed. Um, and yeah, I had to sort of trust in, suddenly put lots of trust in other people to, to you know, tell my story in a, in a kind of, in a way that I was happy with. And that's, a, that's a, yeah, that, that takes, I think, a lot of trust. Uh, but again, it's, it's learning. It's learning. Yeah. I mean, like, go ahead. Sorry. No, just all those fears, all those fears that, you know, um, oh, it's, it, they're, they're not going to do it right, or I'm not going to be happy with it, or they, they, don't, they never seem to happen for me, you know, never seem to happen. Well, and, and I think when we're prone to mental health issues, we do have a busier mind, right? We, mm. all things, we, we, we have self doubt. And I mean, that's a human condition as well, but. I feel like it's sometimes just 10 times faster in my mind. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. That's the, the... <laughs> self-doubt. I'm like 22, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and this thing of control, like I never saw myself as a controlling person ever. I was a victim. I'm not controlling. Yeah. Yeah. That's often our response, right? Uh-huh. Just something we can't control is to try in every way that we can in the places that we can control to control. And it was a revelation in therapy for me to be like, I'm, what are you, what are you trying to say? <laughs> like, I've been with manipulative people. I'm trying to say, I am also. <laughs> Which was pretty powerful because then I thought, oh, what is it like? What is it like? Let me test just letting go physically, mentally, waiting, patience. Oh my God. Patience. Yeah, you're right. When did you, when did you start? When was that point when you, when you started like, yeah, letting go of control and. Well, yeah. I think. I, I was in survival mode for a good 10 years, getting an education, building up, you know, raising kids, doing everything at once, which was just like survive. And I think once, when I got divorced, which was my choice and was me being empowered, probably for the first time, it mm. felt like I was actually leaving the cult. I was leaving, you know, so that felt like an empowered choice. And then suddenly I'm, imagine living in communes and then with your own family for your entire life. Yeah. I'm in a flat by myself. My kids are 50% at their dad. So 50% of the time I'm by myself sitting with myself, right? Mm-hmm. Then trying to build a business and, and, ha- and date and have relationships mm-hmm. and figure every. So this is like two, the last two years. Mm-hmm. And then going, yeah, working on myself and thinking, um, actually, I'm trying to control because I started getting physical symptoms of stress, sure. like palpitations, my skin was breaking out. Like I was not enjoying the journey, but I'd fought so hard to get here. Yeah. 
something about sometimes it's in peacetime that all the shit comes up, you know? Mm. It's like when we're in survival mode, it's just like mm. adrenaline, adrenaline, adrenaline. And then so, I'm like, I've got my own thought. Life is good. Mm. My kids are mm. good. doing work that fulfills me. And now all this stuff's coming up. Like it doesn't mm. make sense. Am I a bad person? You know? I understand. I understand completely. You're right. I mean, the adrenaline, it does. It keeps you going in that survival mode. Um, I mean, for me, yeah, like, you know, growing up in my teens, it was just constant having to hide, hide, mask, mask. You're, you're constantly kind of, um, oh, I had to be so careful about, you know. Um, to cover things up. Oh, my gosh. Like, you know, even like self-harm, you know, you've got to be so careful of, of what you're wearing. And, and you know, if, someone, if, if a sleeve slips and, oh, my God, are they going to see that? Um, everything you have to be so so careful about, and again with my sexuality. Mm. Um, oh my gosh, I, 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 I was so. Don't look at a guy too long. Yeah, exactly. Seriously, I, I was so self conscious, so self conscious of of, of um, not appearing gay, and and you just, and so it's just constant adrenaline, adrenaline. And then yeah, finally, um, when you, you don't have to do that anymore. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's um, exhausting. It's been mm. to keep up that facade, but it's like, at least you yeah. were certain about the tools, even though they were debilitating or they were masked, at least I knew the game I was playing. Mm. And then, and then mm. I learned totally different tools. I'm like, yeah. I don't know the rules to this thing. I'm trying to be authentic, <laughs> but I'm like, what is that even? Who am I? Like, who is authentic? Yeah. Feel my way in the dark, right? <laughs> right. It's tough. It's tough. And there's no kind of manual or, or guide or, um, yeah, it's so hard. It's, and again, it kind of frustrates me with like the system that we're in, the mental health system in particular. You know, everyone just fits into a box. And, mm. But we're all, it's, I mean, everyone I speak to in terms of, you know, their mental health, the journeys are so, so personal, so individual. Um, everyone, no journey is the same when it comes to, you know, mental health, mental health recovery. And yet, I, find, I often find when I talk to clinicians, you know, it's just, mm. well, everyone with schizophrenia is the same, need to take this medication, do this. Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, 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 no. It's all, everyone's got such, such different journeys. I think sometimes, um, particularly like, yeah, the, the system just doesn't get that, appreciate that, you know, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make it easy to have those, yeah, very individual journeys you know that's, that's the same. sometimes make it worse if, if someone doesn't yeah. feel accepted even with the diagnosis because they feel they should be presenting in a particular way. I know. I and know. I think there's clinicians who've lost the ability to have you know compassion fatigue that they just don't aren't experiencing the empathy because they've put a wall up from their own story connected to I guess the amount of stories like I'm I'm not I'm a counselor and I'm not in that scene very much because mm. I'm doesn't quite sit well with me. Sure, no, sure. I mean, you know, trying to do, trying to do work with like the NHS and particularly, you know, mental health teams, mental health crisis teams. I see a lot of broken people um, working in uh, the NHS. To be honest, um, I don't know. I, I understand. I'm not surprised. When I when I did my first ever meditation retreat um, a few years ago, I think I was the only non. Um, NHS person there. It was all people who were just completely burnt out, you know, nurses, doctors who were just so burnt out. Um, as you say, that, that compassion fatigue. I mean, um, but it was amazing actually watching them transform in just a few days. 
you know, with learning about, you know, the, the, the meditation techniques or, you know, things like um, self-acceptance and self-forgiveness and compassion. It was amazing watching people transform. But, I did, yeah, it, it, that one bothers me whenever I go and, and, and do work with the NHS. Um, I just feel there's oh, so much that needs to be done. So much that needs to be done. So much that needs to change. You're right that it doesn't actually take much. Like when I work in, in schools with, with teachers and head teachers, there's a lot of burnout in those environments as well, isn't there? Um, but, but if you can just go oh and make gosh, yeah. more of what brought them to those professions. So often the, the, the nurses, the NHS staff, they had a core experience themselves or a driver to get in these things. And it's like, let's just remember that for a minute. Let's connect. I know. Or, I know. You know, and, and begin to build from that place. And then people feel Absolutely. hope, team, you know, like that we're doing something meaningful and purposeful here. But I think, yeah, the trouble is, you know, again, with schools, with, with the NHS, everything's so focused on things like targets and yeah. paperwork. And um, I, I think, yeah, I, I feel that's just... It's like, it's, oh. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah, this is yeah, lots of lots of lots of work, lots of lots of change that's needed. Lots of change, I think. Lots of change. I, I think there needs to be a kind of yeah revolution in terms of um, well <laughs> the systems, the systems that we're we're in. I mean, they're just they're not working. The, the, the world of the world is changing with technology, mm. the amount that we're on with you know, and I think that's affecting people's mental health as well. Massively. Massively, we could do like we could just go political and just have a whole discussion there. But maybe we should get me started. Do not get me started. Seriously, we've got enough yeah. time. We've got enough time. I know. I know. Do you still get nervous before speaking? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, I think um, it depends on the crowd. I think the people that I want to impact the most, uh, I get the most nervous. So That's when I go into like prisons, for example, um, or when I want to. I kind of uh, be, be accepted the most or do you know what I mean? That's when it like, so in prisons, you know, when I go into prisons and talk to quite often these, these kind of, they, they walk in and they're kind of, they look, you know, very tough men and, you know, they, they, um, wow, they've been through, gosh, wow. Um, and yeah, sitting there, they're all sitting there looking at you and um, I think, yeah, I just want to be, I want to get through, I want to get through, I want to make a difference. That's when I feel the most, or again, sometimes in schools, and I really want to get through to these pupils. Um, that's what, I don't know. Yeah, that's when I feel the most nervous, interestingly. It matters. You want to get it right. Yeah, exactly. And you yeah. want to leave them with, with, with um, something, you know? Um, what about you? Where, where, do you still get nervous? Of course. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that's okay. I might always get nervous. Um, that's just... I, there was this, there's this comedian called Russell Kane. Hilarious! I've seen him mm. live. He just cracks the life out. Yeah. Um, and he said in some interview, he went every single time. I will either vomit or I can't get off the loo, or I will just be like my body just goes into some kind of meltdown, and then I can't kill it in in the adrenaline and pumping it out. And I was like, oh, it's fine. It's not the absence of nerves. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I was reading actually um, an interview with Adele. Um, and she said a similar thing about, you know, the nerves before and, and being sick before. And yeah, it's kind of reassuring. <laughs> reassuring to, yeah. You know, these, like, you know, someone like Adele or, or Russell Kane, you know, they've got such talent and, yeah. you know, they can just go out there and blow everyone away. But they have beforehand, they have these sort of crippling nerves. And 
yeah, it made me, well, yeah, it makes me feel <laughs> really reassured, actually. Um, because, yeah, no, nerves, nerves are good, actually. Nerves are good. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it feels uncomfortable. Um, but, um, you know, I remember the first few times I started talking, you know, I, I remember my voice was shaking and I could hear it and feel it and the, the heart beating so kind of hard and fast. Um, but I was like, that's just shows that you're human. And, you know, um, instead of beating myself, myself up about it, I'm just like, no, that, that communicates that you're human rather than being, again, like I was saying before, and I'm not trying to criticise, but, you know, sometimes I watch, and this is a kind of... speakers. What's that? Polish speakers. Yeah. Often, often, often it's, it's maybe American. Um, I don't know. It's, I'm not trying to... But, um, and I just watch them, and, and it's so... It is so polished and so... Um, yeah, and there's something... Sometimes something missing. Um, and I guess it's that vulnerability, that humanness, that... Yeah, that, yeah. So, no, I, I mean, yeah, nerves are good. Nerves are good. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uncomfortable. But. And I think otherwise we can get detached from our story and our story is emotional. And so I want to be connected to it in some Absolutely. way. Absolutely. What about um, what I refer to as vulnerability hangovers? So the day after, uh, if you felt like you really gave yourself or you felt like you made that one mistake or you felt like you had that one negative feedback or even if it was amazing, like that you can build up adrenaline and have some kind of crash. Does that resonate with you at all? It does. It does. But I have to say for me, it's got easier. Okay. I think over the years, but the more, the more that I've done it, the more, yeah. Cause again, at the very beginning, it was like, um, you know, I, 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 I didn't say that or I missed out this or, um, yeah. I didn't get, there was, there was something, some sort of feedback that wasn't, wasn't great. And, um, yeah, it used to really, really, really bug me, really bug me. Um, but now it's very much like, did the best I could, <laughs> did the best I could. Um, and, you know, again, it's, it's just, there's no point sort of beating myself up or, or dwelling on it really. Cause you know, you just drive yourself crazy with that you know I should have done this should have done this I shouldn't have said that I wish I hadn't brought that feedback I wish I'd done this you can just you know um so now I think yeah with practice um I don't I don't beat myself up and um again with practice I've learned that because again in the early days it was very much like rushing from talk to talk to talk to talk and having no sort of breathing space in between and now now actually you know if I if I give a talk somewhere maybe it's um uh, a beautiful part of the country I've never been to before. I'll actually maybe want to take some time out to see it. You know, I'm going. I'm so lucky I get to go to all these places. Um, and it, yeah, it, I, I find it a shame that I just I go to a place and you know I just go and see a conference center or you know one building there. And so I'm like, no, I want to see. I want to experience the the, the place and the community and. So I'm trying to sort of build that in, especially after the talk when, you know, um, instead of just, and I, I know sometimes it has to happen, you know, you have to just get straight on a train, you know, you just have to go. But ugh, trying to do that less now, trying to actually build in some time to not yes. rush, so not rush. That. So slowing down and actually enjoying the journey and, yeah. and using the opportunities that present themselves to, to, to enjoy rather than needing to reinvent the wheel. Yes, longer breaks are nice, but they're not mm -hmm. always possible all the time. Sure. How do we incorporate? That's what I, in every teaching that I do, it's like, 
How do you mm. incorporate these small things into your day-to-day routine rather absolutely. than going, oh my God, I'm never going to yeah. this thing, and, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But again, it's taken, it's taken uh, some time to kind of realize and to, you learn lessons, don't you? You just learn lessons. Um, yeah, you learn lessons. I mean, I, yeah, I learned some, you know, there was a particular period of, of, of um, in the last few years when it was just literally running from one talk to the other and just exhausted, absolutely exhausted. And um, I just got to a point where I was like, um, I can't, I just can't do this anymore. It's just... Burning yourself out. Yeah. And, um, but I had to get to that point though, to sort of realise that I needed to change things, you know? I had to get to that point. Um, because it was, it just, I just, it was affecting me, it was affecting my relationships, you know? Um, and when it starts affecting, particularly relationships, it just, I, I just, I was like, and other people were saying to me as well, Johnny, like, you need to slow down. You need to, and I was like, no, no, because, because I, I liked the whole thing of, um, yeah, I'm so busy. Oh yeah, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Do you know what I mean? I liked, I felt, I liked it when people said to me, oh my God, you're so busy. Do you know, I don't know why we've got this thing, don't we, I think in society where, and I, I'm, I'm so guilty of it, you know, um, if people say, you know, how are you? It's like, yeah, I'm just so, it's as if it's like a, it's like, like a, a badge of honor. Yeah. A sign of doing well. If you're yeah. Sick. Yeah, yeah absolutely. In the next 10 years, 10, 20 years. What's that? I think it's going to change in the next Ooh, 20 years so. as the world of work changes that it Ooh. will be aspirational to say, you know, oh, I went to this meditation retreat or yeah. I only worked three hours today yeah. and everything's ticking along and, you know. I hope, I hope I, it does. Yeah. Because uh, I notice whenever I, whenever I say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so busy, the other person, oh my God, I'm so busy as well. And it's like a, almost like a kind of competition, not competition, well, maybe kind of underneath it is a bit of a like, I don't know. It, yeah, you're, oh, it needs to change again. It needs to change. And I, I hope it does. I yeah, hope it does. It perpetuates this, this idea that we need to always be on. And yeah. We're not enough or we're exactly. not, not going to have enough edge or enough income or, you know, be enough yeah. in the world, and ultimately, it's affecting our mental health. That's yeah. the statistics don't lie, right? More and more of us are affected by burnout and mental health issues and all sorts of things. So things have got to change. Things have got to change. Um, well, I think I think you know us. We could be the sort of well, we have to be the leaders of, of that, and kind of yeah, reflecting on you know what you said what about you say that's different from this day forward. When someone says, How yeah. your automatic reaction is to say, I'm busy. What's a different yeah. sentence? that you can use well actually no what kind of what you said about um well no this weekend i i went and i took some time out i had amazing time in in the countryside and i two days off and yeah things like that or or um yeah i'm busy but you know i i i went and i i did a meditation uh, session last night and um or i went to bed really early last night and had really great sleep yeah i mean i've never when, when have I ever said that to anyone, you know, it's, it's, yeah. So yeah, I'm going to, wow. I'm going to start changing. Uh, yeah. No, seriously. And I think for everyone though, I think for everyone. Yeah. No, seriously. I mean, um, I know, <laughs> I know Neil does it when I, cause I work a lot with Neil and you know, Oh mate, I'm so busy. Oh my God. It's just so busy. Um, just, it's just crazy. And it's just, um, and I, and that's often like, it's not like, um, 
It's funny, yeah. That's the first. That's the first thing we 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 say to each other. You know, it's about the busyness. It's not about oh, I, I had a lovely weekend with my wife with my baby. Like it's just I'm like taking over the I'm fine thing. Yeah, how you're are saying you fine? How are you? I'm busy. Like it yeah. feels like it's almost taken taken that over. I um, think we need a new campaign. We need. <laughs> you, I think we've done quite a few. <laughs> You've done quite a few campaigns. Oh, this one though, um, I like um, it. Yeah, what could it be? Um, connected not busy or something yeah. like but i don't yeah. i don't know i mean because i like because i like being busy but i like it when it's got the balance of like active recovery like i did this yeah. class and i'm like oh i spent you know looking after myself and it was a new skill and i was the worst one in the room and that was exciting and i learned, <laughs> there were like black belts in the room i was like whoa <laughs> where am i wow but that's so cool because like when we when we started talking today um, you know, one of the first things you, well, yeah, probably the first thing that we, you said was about what you did the weekend and yeah. this, this class. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. And yeah, I mean, it was great to, to, to hear that actually. And that, and then it made me think, reflect on myself. Oh, you know, um, what have I done that's, that's been really great and fulfilling? Um, not, oh yeah, just been so busy with, and then obviously we went, when we went into the busyness of, <laughs> oh, you know, last week and, yeah. But but the point is, you know, we, we yeah, that's really interesting. I'm gonna show where I'm learning myself to have a full life that is fulfilling and builds my skills in ways that aren't just you know one path, mm. expertise, whatever. I'm glad that I'm I'm seen as a, an expert and, and being well known in, in that field as you are. And I want to be like, well, how can I explore? You know, I went to this Reiki session and I wouldn't normally yeah. do that. But deep and it made me think this and like the growth path yeah um, so johnny we've yeah. been going on for ages i feel like we could talk for ages and i feel like i'll have to have you back on again once oh, we definitely sorted and yeah. more political about how to not be busy or to say other things um i know you have a book out recently yeah so it is called stranger on the bridge right yes it is yes it is indeed yeah still, still talking about that yeah <laughs> um, no it is yeah yeah it's yeah. yeah, where can people can find it anywhere? Uh, yeah, you find it um, on online on like Amazon, um, and then currently writing my next book, which you're part of. Yes, of course. Oh, it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Tell people about the book coming up. Yeah, so that's called that's going to be called like the Book of Hope, um, and it's yeah stories of overcoming overcoming you know the adversity, um, finding hope because. Um, yeah, often I find that hope is really lacking in, in particularly, and again, the mental health system. You know, when I go into NHS, the, the mental health services and talk to, talk to people, whether that be the, the, the staff or the, you know, patients, um, hope is, is, is so often lacking. So this book is going to be um, a collection of uh, people like yourself uh, writing about how they found hope. And I think, it, yeah, just this day and age, it, yeah, it's lacking, I think. So we're writing that at the moment beautiful and i love the concept just because it's sort of you can dip in and out and and get, yeah. get a story get feel inspired Absolutely. just about quite a range of different stories but what is it about humans and very much along the theme of the podcast like what is it that people yeah. move on to in order mm -hmm. to begin to shift things and Absolutely. what's this, what are the steps after the rock bottom kind of hero bit it's like yeah then what do we yeah, do? Yeah, absolutely. People need to know that it's not just an overnight. Some people have it and yeah. some people don't. Johnny, there's something special about you. You turned your life around, you yeah. know? And you are special. I love you. But, um, <laughs> but you put the work in 
and you failed and you, and you struggled and you kept standing up and you kept asking for help. And you know, I think, yeah, like what you, you you mentioned the word before patience. I think patience is so key because I I, I do, I speak to so many people who, you know, say that, you know, that that they, they, and I wanted something that was overnight, you know, of course you want this pain to just end and suffering just to stop. But doesn't unfortunately you know i don't know anyone that's just managed to just suddenly turn their life around and i don't maybe believe that if they'd said that maybe you just all those years and years and years of you know adversity you can't suddenly just just change it it, it takes time and it takes work and it takes yeah patience and um i think yeah a lot of self-compassion um but people don't often tell you that i think you just yeah you have to learn it for yourself i have to learn it for myself but yeah. the more we can have these conversations, the more I'm hoping, and with your book and the conversation mm. that, that people can understand that and feel like if they're in the thick of it and it feels like progress is so slow mm. and such, that that's normal, that's okay. Exactly, exactly. One step forward, connect, be open, right? Mm. Yeah, I know you're working on so many different things and people can follow mm. you on, on Instagram. Who are you on Instagram, Mr. Johnny Benjamin? Yeah, Mr. Johnny Benjamin, yeah. And, um, and so they can connect to you. What advice would you give to people just to, to finish off who might be in the thick of that struggle now? Like what mm. first two, three things that they can do to move their lives forward? Well, I don't know this sounds simple, but the, the talking, the talking is, is, is so key. Um, but again, that takes, it takes, it takes time. It takes practice and it takes, wow. I mean, you know, I'm still in therapy, I'm still in therapy and, you know, new stuff will come up all the time. Do you know what I mean? Or stuff that suddenly we uncover that it's just constant, constant talking. So yeah, the, the talking and, and the communication is so, so key. Um, and for me, that was right at the beginning. It was writing. It was just writing, uh, like I said, writing poetry or just write it. I just had to write, I had to write anything. And that's, yeah. I think that's still a form of, it's still a form of communication, even if you're just writing, you know, um, but yeah, the point is just not not just keeping it contained in here, just getting it out some way. The talking is so important, and I, I guess that links to you know not feeling embarrassment and shame. And again, that's that's a it doesn't happen overnight. You know, I think it doesn't happen overnight. It take it take it takes work. It takes work. But I think um, you know that for me was hearing you know don't be embarrassed, don't don't don't, don't be ashamed. That was that was a key kind of. Uh, that was that, that was something I needed to hear when I was at my worst. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed, because that embarrassment, well, you know, that embarrassment, that shame, just it, it destroys you. Absolutely destroys you. So you know, yeah, try try not to, or know know that that will change. I think know that that won't that horrid sense of shame and embarrassment won't last. It will change, even if you think it won't. Um, and then, um, yeah, I guess uh, find find. Find your people, you know, I think that's been key. It's finding other people who um, have been through similar experiences or it doesn't even have to be, you know, exactly the same, exactly similar. Just find other people that are open. And, you know, for me, going to support groups, I think was at the beginning was really, really, really helpful. Just sitting, I know it sounds kind of, you know, Hollywood, like, you know, sitting around in a circle and everyone. But for me, that... That really, really, really helped. You know, I didn't, I was so nervous and people so often, I was so, so nervous. And you, I put off going, I put off going, but I finally went. 
And I sat there and I didn't say anything in the group, but I just listened to other people share their experiences. And that was life changing. You know, hearing other people put into words what's going on in my head is, is such a relief. So trying to find support groups or, and there's so many out there now, support groups or, or um, yeah, other people online that are, are sharing their stories. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, that's been key. That was key. So, and I wish I'd have done it earlier. I just put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off. Um, but yeah, I wish I'd have done it earlier. So Lovely. that'd be mine. Amazing. Yeah. So get out there, talk, express yourself. And sometimes we have to do the talking while the shame feeling is still there. But trusting, as you said, that over time that dissipates and you begin to connect deeper. And it just, it's, it's the skill that can be practiced. Oh, and yeah. You're not the only one. Like, Absolutely. everyone's got a story and, and people out there listening as well as talking is just the thing that normalizes it. Yeah, absolutely. There are ways out. There are steps that yeah. you can take. Um, Johnny, thank you so much. Thank I you. Fun. Yeah, thank you. I feel, it feels like, how long have we, it feels like it's gone so quick, but how long have we been talking? Yeah, we've talked almost an hour and a half. We what? just we just jumped right oh, in. Wow, that's amazing. It literally has felt like that. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a really good. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Right, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through petrabelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.